Episode 17 of the New Producers Podcast. This is Josh, back with Steven. What's up? And we just got over the disappointment of realizing this is episode 17. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that we're, what, seven, eight years into this podcast? Yeah, I thought for sure it'd be like <laughs> 517, but... Yeah, no. 17. Like, what number is this? Seven, 17, really? <laughs> All right, well, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this time we should probably not say uh, we're back in the saddle because uh, we think we might be and we think we might get some content out here um, continuously, but we just, we better not say that this time (laughs) because we might not get another podcast, you know, for another four months. Yeah. I think, I think last time we were back, we did say, yeah, we're, we're, we're back in. So we'll just edit all of that and all this out. Yeah. Just start fresh. But, um, the reason why it's been a while, we won't say how long since the last episode, because that would be another embarrassment, but there's just been a lot going on, and particularly with Steven, um, you know, you, you bought a new house, you're building a new studio in your house, mm-hmm. and you've made a pretty exciting kind of part-time move where you're uh, commuting each week for part of the week, so why don't you let everybody know a little bit about that? Yeah, so recently I um, I started doing an internship in Nashville with uh, Ed and Scott Cash, and um, yeah, it's it's been awesome. Um, it's been really great. Learned a ton of things, um, but it's just been it's been a lot going on, right? So, you know, like you mentioned, I'm trying to totally finish uh, renovating the house, and I've got a you know a studio space downstairs that I've been just you know, putting all my spare time into trying to get that space ready to rock and roll. Um, just, you know, just so I have something that I can, you know, get to the next level. And cause I feel like I've actually felt like that for a while that, that my room has kind of been a ceiling on how good my stuff could get. And I don't know, Josh, what you think on that, but, uh, cause I know you can do a lot like headphones and treating and, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys and they're like, no matter what room you're in, you're still going to have to learn it. But I just seem to think that, um, that regardless of, you know, if, if your room is really bad, you're going to be, you're going to take a long time. And I I just don't think it can get to that, the highest uh, caliber, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I was, I moved into the house we're in now and the studio I'm in now in 2004 and for about three years before that we were um, living in like a basement apartment and my studio space there had like a typical basement eight foot drop ceiling um, carpeted floors yeah I was kind of over you know my my control room and tracking room were all together and my speakers and console were pushed over into one corner but then to the left of me was a lot more wide open Mm -hmm. and and yeah i mean i did i did the best work that i could but i noticed a really really big jump when i moved into the space i'm in now which still isn't very large it's 500 square feet total but you know, I had isolated rooms. I had a separate drum room, so I could really hear how the drum sounded through the mics in the control room without having to wear headphones and, and took a lot of the guesswork out of it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you don't have to record a section, go back and listen, move a mic, and then record another section and see what that change sounded like. Yeah. And just having, um, you know, a, a hard surface floor, there's 15-foot ceilings here. It, it's a way more properly um, sound treated, soundproof uh, treatment and uh, um, panels, diffusion. Yep foam you know a, a blend of all of that depending on which booth and which room it was in certainly not um professionally designed by um you know a, a space designer or whatever mm-hmm. but i did get the initial floor plan from a website the guy's name is john sayers i think it was like john l and then his last name is s-a-y-e-r-s hmm. and I got the the original floor plan off of there. There's like a, a, a forum there about building studios and stuff. I hope it's still around. It was a, a great resource for me at the time. But I think our, you're dealing with about the same square footage, right? Like somewhere around 500? I think it's right. I think it's closer to um, four. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, just somewhere over four. And, and that's like a typical um, garage or, you know, half basement kind of size. So a lot of people listening are probably dealing with similar space. And so um, the cool thing is with you being actively in that build now, this leads into a lot of what we wanted to talk about today, which is that we're really going to try to hone in a lot of our focus on YouTube content coming up over the next little bit. And the main reason is that we just feel like, you know, that's the way that we can help, um, as we run into issues such as building a studio uh, or renovating, renovating a basement or an existing space, we're going to document that. And the best way we feel we can do that is through, you know, a video platform. Mm-hmm. So you actually already put up episode one of that, just kind of showing the space. And I know as you go through different phases, you're going to do more. So anybody that's listening, if you have a garage or a basement or a room that you've thought about converting to a studio, be sure to go to YouTube and uh, look up the new producers channel and go ahead and, and give us a follow there because that's what Steven's going to be doing right now. So it'd be really, you know, current content for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to get back to what you originally said, I made a huge leap as soon as I moved into this space. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was almost instantaneous that the way the drum sounded, for instance, to not have carpet and to not have a drop ceiling like right above the overhead mics it just, I could do room mics now and I had a lot more natural ambience in the overhead mics. And there was just a, a liveliness to everything that I was doing here that it, it took things up like such a huge level. I mean, it's, it's really hard to describe. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. That's so cool. Well, dude, I, I hate to, I know you asked about the internship, but I just, I wanted to touch, touch on that real quick because that's, that's something I'm very excited about. And can't wait to start making music down there and, and, uh, exploring that space. So, um, but yeah, so right now, you know, my week kind of looks like this Monday, um, Monday and Tuesday, I'm here in Asheville, North Carolina. And then, uh, Wednesday morning, I jump in the car at about four in the morning, grab my cup of coffee and, uh, head on down the road to Nashville and then start there at about nine 30 or 10, to about six o'clock and that's Wednesday through Friday. Sometimes I get back, um, little earlier on Friday or, 
leave late Thursday night, just depending on what's on the schedule and who who they're working with or whatever. But um, it's really been a great process, you know, to to just watch them, you know, how they do their things. And it, it's great because I've been able to help out a lot too. And, you know, like I've done a lot of recording up until this point and, uh, you know, worked with clients and stuff like that. And so I've been able to help out with, you know, drum editing and tuning vocals and, uh, you know, writing parts and stuff like that. So, um, it's been a great process, man, but any questions in particular that you're wondering? I know. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing for me personally, and also um, I'm sure for a lot of people listening is, you know, how, how do you get an internship, um, in a city like Nashville or LA or New York, especially if you don't live there, if you don't know anyone, you know, right off the bat, and especially with somebody of the the level of of the cash uh, guys. I mean, if anybody here is, isn't familiar, you know, definitely look up their discography and and check out their work. So, how did this come about for you? Well, it's it probably took me around five years to make the whole thing happen, but. I didn't really realize that I was stepping towards that. Um, where it all kind of starts is um, I had a buddy here that was doing a record with a mix engineer from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and his stuff sounds awesome. Like he's a very talented mix engineer. His name's Ainsley Grosser. And um, so I got in touch. Like I asked my buddy, like, who was the mix engineer on your project? And, you know, he told me his name. And so I just, I got in touch with him and, um, friended him on Facebook and followed him on Instagram and, um, you know, just sent him emails, like asking questions and saying, Hey, how did you get the vocal to sound like this? And obviously I'm at this point, I'm a huge fan. So <clears throat> I think the key there is that you've, you've got to be a, a genuine fan. You can't be just reaching out to anybody just to get help you know and that i was obviously mm -hmm. asking for you know help on like dude how did you get the kick to sound like that how did you get the snare to sound like that what did you do here what do you have on your mix bus you know blah 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 all, all those engineer nerdy questions right um but right. genuinely i i really liked them and i you know i was just trying to be a nice human being you know and i think if you're trying to get into the industry and even trying to get into an internship, um, it's, it's a much more difficult than you, than you think it would be. Um, you know, Ed and Scott and a lot of the other, um, producers and mix engineers and stuff, they don't just, they don't typically just take people. Um, because I'm not in, I'm not in school right now. And that's the main thing that feeds into their internship programs is, Belmont University in Nashville. And so um, mm -hmm. it was kind of a diff, you know, an interesting case because, uh, you know, they were able to take me on. And, uh, and so they're not, uh, they're not giving me credits. So it's, it's actually like a paid internship, which is a total blessing, you know. Um, it's just, mm -hmm. it all worked out so well. But um, so here's how it went I reached out to Ainsley. And over the course of five years, I would go to Nashville and I would say, Hey, can I, um, can I sit in with you? Can I just watch you mix? And organically 
you know, I'd, I'd just ask questions like, do I need to be in Nashville or in a big music city to make a go of it? And it kind of seemed like, you know, he kind of kept saying, yeah, you probably do because it's all the whole industry is about relationships. And, um, you know, you can email whoever you want and you can pretty much get access to anybody's email if you try hard enough. But at the end of the mm -hmm. day, it's all about relationship and um that's how it that's how it worked you know we started talking about the whole do i need to be here thing and he said you know what i've um you know i, I have a guy like ed and scott cash and they you know they have an internship program and they take on younger dudes and and um and work with them and and try to get them skills and all that good stuff and so he was like hey let me let me just reach out to um, to Ed Cash and and see if there's a possibility. And so he pretty much called them up, and I pretty much got an internship like a week later. You know, I uh, <laughs> spoke with Ed and Scott Cash on on Skype or whatever, and then they decided, yeah, they wanted to wanted to go with me on it. And uh, here I am. You know, I, I started in January, and so I've been in it for about two months now. And so it's, it's crazy. It's, I mean, it's, it's a really cool process and sometimes you're not doing things audio related. Like sometimes you have to go get lunch for people and clean a bathroom or change light bulbs or whatever. But I think there's something to be learned in that too, because it's, it's like a discipline thing. And it's like, mm -hmm. if you can stick in it and know that what you're doing is a good thing and that um, that things will come from just being diligent and patient. Sometimes as musicians, we, we just want to do things so quick and, and want to see, you know, waves from something we've done immediately. And it doesn't always work like that. And I, that's, I actually think the whole internship thing is a really cool way, A, for, for the employer to find people that are hardworking and, even when they're doing jobs that aren't necessarily audio related, they, you know, have a good attitude and all that. But, mm -hmm. um, even for the individual doing it, it's like, it's a lesson in discipline and having a great attitude and it, it's school, man. It's school for getting into the whole thing. And I don't know if that helps at all, bro, but any questions you have, I'd be happy to, to answer them. No, I think that's awesome because, the key things that stood out to me when you were talking, the first one is that um, you weren't trying to get anything when you first reached out to Ainsley. Well, I guess you were trying to get um, information or Knowledge, you know yeah. any tips, but yeah. but it wasn't in a it, you know you can tell when somebody approaches you and they just want to take and take, yeah. and they just you, you know when you have too many people in your life that are just taking from you and not put anything back it can really be draining and yeah i'm sure um these guys can sense that they probably do get people that approach them in a way that's um you know wanting something right off the bat yeah so i i think that was the key also the other part this was a five-year process and even when you're the moment that you were sitting there with ainsley and he's like well hey let me call them you weren't even asking for an internship at that part um no you, not at you all you were still no, yeah, which is which is awesome. You were still just uh, you know asking, trying to learn uh, from somebody that you genuinely respected and and looked up to, and 
I, I've done similar stuff with emailing people over the years. I mean, some people that I didn't think had, you know, would write me back at all. And I had really good conversations with, um, you know, lesser known people all the way up to somebody like David Bendeth, you know, that um, wow. through either email or like private messages on Gear Sluts forum. I mean, it doesn't hurt. I mean, the worst thing is they can not write back or you know, maybe they'd write back and like, Hey, you suck. Leave me alone. But <laughs> at least you tried, you know, yeah. and I can honestly say that's never happened to me. Uh, none of them have ever been rude. And, and I think in this line of work, we know even on our level, very few people get it. Like they don't, they don't get this process and, and this passion for this side of, of music. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you do find someone that does, it's like, you can just talk all day about it. And I think a lot of these guys feel that way. Um, so I just think it's such a cool story because if you listen to a lot of the doom and gloom that's around about the music business, they'll say that internships are dead. You know, I've seen that exact phrase said a bunch of times and especially paid internships, like just forget about it. It doesn't even exist anymore, but yeah. it does. Yeah, it does. And so I think for anybody that's out there that, um, like you're married, you know, you've got a house, you, you have, you got a lot of things going on that can make you think, oh man, I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm not, um, in college or right out of college, but it totally worked out. And I think the other thing it, that stood out to me is just persistence and mm-hmm. particularly like the, the phrase that some people use like polite persistence mm-hmm. where you just, you kept in touch, you know, Maybe maybe you reach out one time and they're too busy, but then you reach out the next time you're in town and it works out to see each other. And just just being like a decent human being, being respectful, um, not just trying to take. I think that's the biggest thing, man. Don't just try to take from people all the time, even if it's somebody you really look up to and you would love to know what's on their master bus or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, See, see see what you can add to their life in a genuine way you know if it's just encouragement or or complimenting them or letting them know how much this one piece of work they did meant to you and, and to your life um make sure you're giving man input while you're taking i think that's a, a big key in life so yeah um totally it's, it's just such a cool story even more so for me because i've i've known you for so long and to see years and years of dedication and working on projects that, you know, nobody uh, knew what you were doing or knew the hours that you were putting into it. And then to see you get elevated very quickly to a position where you're working on stuff that lots of people would know and, and lots of bigger names involved. And like now, when, when you're there on a day and you're grabbing food or you're changing a light bulb or something, you're more than talented to be doing any part of that project, I believe. But Thanks, man. you're staying home. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally uh, feel that way. And but you're staying humble and and just doing whatever needs to be done. And I think if you you or anybody else listening, myself included, if if we keep that approach, um, I think the sky's the limit. You know, definitely not ever being arrogant, not feeling like something's below you. Yeah. But just saying, hey, this is what I love. If I've got to scrub a toilet every now and then, that's cool. I still get to do music. Totally. I'm, I'm not having to 
do something I hate all the time. So I think it's worth yeah, mentioning so I mean, too that you're never too old to do an internship. You know, if if you want to get into that industry, sometimes it's it's kind of what you got to do. Um, and I'm not yeah. I'm not scared to show my age. You know, I'm like I'm 31. I don't think there's a lot of people at 31 that do internships. I don't know if it's a a pride thing or what, but if you're not where you yep. think you need to be, then you've got to readjust your course, right? And that that is what yeah. I'm trying to do. Um because these people, you know, Ed and Scott, they're they're working with, you know, just some of the best artists in the Christian world. Um and mm -hmm. it's it's just you know it's it's very fascinating and just um able to being able to see that process it process it really opens your eyes like the first thing like the speed at which they work is pretty awesome like they don't overthink things you know they they've learned they've done this so many times and they know kind of how things need to go and so i think you know us guys when we get into our lair and into our cave and we're not accountable for a project or there's not necessarily um, a very strict budget locked into what you're working on. Time can just run on and on and on. And sometimes that is the worst thing for you. You know, these guys are working <laughs> I've been through a few of those. Yeah, dude, me too. I think, <laughs> I think we all have, and I think it's, it's burst out of a, a, a really good place because we want it, the music to be as good as it possibly can be. But at the same mm -hmm. time, it can be detrimental because, uh, I mean, you know how it goes. Like, you almost have to put out. I'm saying, like, put albums on YouTube and iTunes. You've got to finish the thing before you can notch up to the next level. There's something about that. Like, for you to just yeah. get your 10,000 hours in one album, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> you know it just doesn't well, happen then, you like would that just be, right you'd just be really good at that one sound and then by the time you finish the uh you know popular styles would have changed by then it wouldn't be good you know yeah what you learned wouldn't be good anymore anyway so <laughs> yeah that's exactly <laughs> well it, uh i'm glad you brought that up though because the next thing that i'm interested in and i hope the questions i'm asking are you know the things our listeners are interested in as well but what have you seen that, I guess, what would be the top thing, or maybe it's more than one thing, that surprised you? You know, because I'm sure once you got the internship, you thought, okay, you know how we all do. We start thinking about how things are going to be in our head, and then most of the time in life, things are not like how we thought they would be. Mm -hmm. So what, surpri what surprised you uh, about getting in on some of these top-notch projects and the way you saw them going um, in addition to, like you mentioned, that they, they work quickly and they're very decisive and they don't get bogged down with too many options? Um, that's a great question, man. I guess like these guys are working with some of the best artists and they're just really good human beings. And um, Okay. The, you know, they are not jerks to the people on the bottom of the totem pole. And... They're, that's cool they're fun to be around and i think that right there is key to the whole thing the whole reason why i think they've had you know good success because when you're making records and even just you know if you're out in the field digging a trench 
does your day go by better and quicker? And do you have a much better, uh, funner day when you're working with somebody that is fun and friendly and makes you laugh and just a good dude? Or if you're in the mm-hmm. trench, they're digging with Satan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a bummer, man. He's a jerk. Freaking joke. Always trying to drag everybody down. <laughs> Joke off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that I think that's that's a great point because sometimes, um, especially as a producer, and you work with somebody doing their first vocal session, and they've never heard themselves on a really detailed condenser mic, and uh, you know everything's there—the good, the bad, and the ugly—and they come out and they listen through the speakers, and they're like, "Oh man, I actually can't sing." Yeah. <laughs> and so. It's so important to stay positive and to encourage people. And and like you said, everybody that's in the room that you're working with, because if one person is just taking the brunt of everybody else's frustration, you, you can feel it, man. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's weird how we carry um, emotions and a vibe or whatever you call it. You know, if somebody comes into the session and like, Hey man, you know, how's it going? Uh, you know, not really feeling it today. Yeah. Well, what kind of tone is that is that gonna set for everyone else? So um that that's cool, man. Yeah. I guess getting more into any kind of gear stuff. I mean, obviously you don't want to give away anybody's secrets, but are are these guys tracking through outboard or you know, what's what's kind of the setup you're seeing there with with the tracking process? Dude, all they use is a PreSonus Firebox. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> no, not even. Well, uh, I hate to say it, but uh, I think I'm done. I think I'm done with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have a home studio under $300. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, after you guys do that, you go to Starbucks and mix it, right? And then call it a day? Well, okay, so we get the files, and then we, we hook up our iPhone and import them into your iPhone. And then you can put them mm-hmm. into GarageBand and then mix them on your uh, earbuds. You know, and then after that, you know, th- around 11 o'clock, you know, before lunchtime, you send it off to mastering, and that's it. But um, it's just one well, of those I mean, automated you- mastering things. It's not even like a real mastering engineer. Yeah, that's it. And uh, whatever comes out, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, man, I'm I'm totally messing. Obviously, they have uh, some of the best stuff available. Um, you know, they love Universal Audio. I think they're both. That's both their interfaces. Um, they weren't doing anything like crazy, like external, like clocking or anything like that. Um, but yeah, the Universal stuff. Um, what's that one? The black, I, I just bought one, but I just, I'm actually not like a super geeky dude and I don't know all the specs, but I think it's just one of those Octo Thunder things by UA. I don't know. Oh, is it, is it the, uh, the AP? Yes, that's it. The AP. Okay. Yeah. So they yeah, have I that. Had a, I had that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great piece of gear. Um, so they use that and then. They use um, the dangerous uh, controller, like the volume sort of oh, cool. playback, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Um, yeah, the uh, dangerous monitor yeah. ST, I think it is. Yeah, that's it. Um, and then you, I have one of those too. Really? <laughs> Was that the one that kept I, shocking I think all the crap these guys, out of you? Yeah, it sounds like these guys just bought all my old gear. <laughs> <laughs> 
funny. <laughs> Oh, they just dude. wait till I get to one of those points that I can't afford my gear anymore, and they just buy it all up. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, so they use that, and uh, you know they obviously have some preamps. Um, Ed really likes the 1073 stuff, so he has about I don't know eight to twelve of those uh, 1073s, and then. Uh, well, I don't doesn't know. he know he could just get get a plug in that sounds exactly the same? <laughs> I should tell him he probably doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, poor guy, man. I know he's dude. got thousands of dollars invested, and <laughs> and there's plugins out there for like twenty five bucks. It'd be the same thing. <laughs> I don't know, dude. What the heck, eh? Yeah, actually, uh, well. <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, agree that plugins and outboards sound the same, but that'll be for another day. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, you know, but they have tons of you know uh, nice condenser mics and ribbon mics and lots of really nice yeah. guitars and pianos and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't well, know what else to tell you there, but. Well, the reason I was asking is I know a lot of Nashville guys. Well, I wouldn't say a lot, but um, at least a, a few that I know of are, are mixing all in the box. Mm -hmm. And I just was wondering if guys like that you're working with that know, you know, it may be mixed in the box at the end if they're doing some some outboard and some color and stuff on the front end. Because I, I think that's a big thing that gets overlooked with a lot of the discussions online about, well, you know, you can mix all in the box and it doesn't matter. You don't need outboard gear. You don't need analog summing, anything like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of what gets missed in that conversation is that it's touched so many tubes and, um, you know, transformers and all this stuff on the way in that has to be accounted for. It's a huge part of the sound. Mm -hmm. And I, I know from projects I've mixed and, even stuff that I've tracked on, on my own that I end up mixing at the end, whether or not I hit outboard on the way in as opposed to just recording it straight or through some, you know, digital emulation, mm -hmm. at least to me, it's like a night and day difference as far as how easily things come together when it is time to mix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely track through, you know, nice preamps and through a compressor like a, um, you know, like a uh, 1176 or a distressor or something like that. So they're definitely getting some color on the way in. Um, and they work, yeah. they work with, they work with multiple mix engineers, some that, you know, are a hundred percent in the box. And then, uh, some of the other guys that, you know, are kind of more of a hybrid sort of thing, but I don't know if they work with anybody that's like, CL, like they I, actually they were telling me they they did some stuff with cla but um as far as the other guys that i've come across most of them are pretty much like it's like a hybrid setup so they might have you know uh like a cl1b or like 1176 or you know a 2500 api on their a two bus section like a hardware piece on their two bus section um so like just pieces of analog here and there but um yeah no i don't think anybody's that they're they're working with is 100 percent like on a console and every channel is getting analog summed do you know what i mean yeah and i mean in an ideal world i would love to own an ssl and just 
do that for a while and mm-hmm. you know see what my work would would sound like in that setup but I think the the much more realistic approach moving forward is that hybrid setup and and that's where I'm at now I mean I've got uh, a little bit of outboard compression and I, I sum through a um, dangerous two bus at the moment so yeah <clears throat> you know I feel pretty strongly about that setup as far as the stuff that I hear that really inspires me and stretches me to want to be better was either mixed on a console or it was mixed hybrid. And um, it's not to say I don't enjoy some work that was mixed all in the box. I just don't ever feel like, how did they do that? Or mm-hmm. that sound, that vocal sound really challenges me to improve mine. Um, and, and again, personal preference, whatever. Yeah. If anybody's listening and you've got you've got a mix that you know was completely in the box that just blew you away, please send it to me because I'm constantly um, searching and I'm, I mean, I've even mixed completely in the box for years at a time. Um, but I just, I like working hybrid. So yeah. anyway, we'll get in, we'll get into that a little bit later because we're going to talk about some of the YouTube videos coming up that will deal with that issue specifically. Um, but I- anything else that you want to share about the whole experience? I mean, I, I think even, Obviously, we'll go a little bit longer here, but even if we stop now, it's just, it's so valuable to me. You know, you hear all these different ways that people make it. Like, that's one of the biggest um, exciting things about this industry is that there's not one path. Like, you don't have to go to school and get a degree and Mm -hmm. go that route. But then that's also the terrifying part because nobody seems to be able to tell you exactly how to to make it. So, um, you sharing your story, man, is just such a, a huge asset for you know our audience and for myself personally so um anything else that you want to add to it that we haven't addressed already so i guess the one thing that um that i've definitely picked up on is their quality is so much higher than what i've mixed in the past and when you mix stuff that is just a way higher quality you can get it to such a higher level and when you're mixing, you're not having to, um, you know, dig so hard and dig into the tracks and do like crazy subtractive EQ. And, um, you know, sometimes you'll still boost the crap out of stuff, but it just, when you push the faders up, it, it already kind of sounds like a record and you've just got to, you know, put the vibe on it, put the space that it's in. And, you know, you're kind of like a storyteller at that point and you're, you know, you're deciding how this story is going to get um, brought to the listener. So just, yeah. it just sounds so much better at that point when you start mixing. Like, dude, you've had a record where you put up the faders and you're like, you know, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I guess I better get out <laughs> the uh, freaking turd scraper because this, this is going to be a long <laughs> process. <laughs> yes. Well, it's like you said, as, as far as... Um, it kind of keeps you in the creative mode. You don't have to be a, a fixer. You can you can be an extension of the band. It's almost like you become a, a added band member. Yeah, that's... and you can just be an artist. You know, you're an artist at that point as opposed to just like a, a problem solver. So, yeah, that, yeah, that's such a huge thing to to let everybody know about. And you know, if you're listening and you're having a really difficult time mixing, maybe um, take a break from the mix tips you know videos and stuff like that and go back a little bit and focus more on tracking because if you capture a really good bass tone or a really good guitar amp tone to start with then 
like Stephen just said, you may still do like a crazy boost or something in the mix, but that's a creative move. It's not a um, out of necessity to fix it. Yeah, yeah and totally. what you'll find, yeah, and what you'll find too is when you do um, start to EQ and compress tracks, like stay together so much better when they're recorded well. Yeah, because um, sometimes if you have a really bad like especially a software emulation electric guitar, it just won't respond to EQ very well. So your your options are already limited yeah. from the beginning. So That's a good point, Yeah, that's, man. that's great, man. Dude, another mm -hmm. thing I, I kind of forgot about was the level at which they produce, it makes mixing easier because they are sonically deciding uh, what elements are fighting each other. So like if there's a guitar, a guitar and like a vocal... If they're fighting each other, then at that point they decide, okay, you know, the vocals can't be there or we've got to pick a different instrument that's not going to be in that same range and fighting it. So they're, they're actually making some mixed decisions, you know, because I don't know if you've ever put up a mix and the chorus hits and there's just, there's too much information in certain parts of the spectrum. And then there's, there's holes in other spots. And so you know, I'm sure they, they realize what they're doing, but it's as far as from top to bottom, it's filled out very well and there's not competing instruments in certain sections. Everything's complementing each other, you know, like the low end's getting um, taken care of in the course, but the mid range is getting taken care of the top end. And it's just, they've set it up so that you can push the faders up and it actually sounds good and there's not stuff fighting each other right off the bat. Yeah, that's awesome because if you're thinking about the mix as you track and produce and edit, then by the time you get there, I mean it's just it's good. not only that it's easier because we're we're not just trying to make this as easy as possible. It's about like you said earlier, your the height of how far you can raise the bar at the end is beyond what you could do if the tracks weren't recorded well. I mean, there's the ceiling is literally higher of where you can go. So yeah, yeah that's a, a great tip. Yeah. And I mean, all the tracks could be recorded well too, but if, if they're fighting frequency wise, then at, at that point, and I've seen you do this a lot where you just have to start muting stuff to get that space back in certain frequency ranges. Right. Yeah. There's a Michael Brower uh, video mixed with the masters where he shares his opinion on that, that, uh, I would have to bleep too much here to repeat it, but he, <laughs> he has a good quote about that. Go look it up. That's funny. Um, well, man, uh, that's that's awesome. I think as we close here, I'd like to talk a bit about our, our plans for YouTube. And anybody listening, if you haven't already, please go subscribe, uh, youtube.com slash the new producers. We're going to be really focusing our attention there and doing a lot of stuff so if you'll go ahead and, and give us a, a subscribe and some likes and you know comment to to interact with us that'll really help out but a couple of things that i've got in mind uh one piece of gear i just got that i'm really excited about is the uh, stam audio sa2a and it is their la2a compressor hmm. and i've i've kind of tracked tracked them for a while and you know, really small company, things are handmade and the wait times can be long. And mm -hmm. you know, there's a, there's issues, there's issues there where if you look at it, they continually miss their ship dates, all that sort of stuff. Um, but what I've found is if you can be patient and 
uh, go ahead and pay. Usually, so this is how it works. If you don't know, uh, they usually do a pre-order price. It's either like a hundred or two hundred dollars, depending on what unit you're getting. So you'll go ahead and send a, a deposit via PayPal to pre-order, and then when the item's done, they'll invoice you for the remaining balance, and then you know it'll it'll ship shortly after. So that's cool. I had to be patient to to get this unit. But what I've tried to do, like I've talked on past episodes, some of my favorite compressors were like a Retro 176, a Chandler RS-124. And between those two compressors alone, you can have like six, seven grand invested in two pieces of outboard gear. Wow. And when when I'm in a place where I can afford that, that's my preference. But when there's you know other times where life gets in the way or whatever and you need to downsize a bit... For instance, this the pre-order price I think on this SA2A was like uh, six hundred and ninety bucks. Wow! So you, you're talking about, I mean, that's getting close to a, a like plug-in range, right? You're thinking, okay, I can get a, a UAD LA2A for two hundred bucks or mm. three hundred dollars, whatever. Yeah, depending on the sale. But then, but then you got to get a hardware to go with that. So, um. It's just amazing to have this hand-built, like really high-quality outboard gear at those kind of prices. So if you can be patient and you're looking to get into outboard or you've already got some outboard and you want to add some more pieces, um, I would give them give them a, a, a good consideration. And if you do, uh, tell them we sent you for sure. I mean, I, it's not like we're going to get anything out of it, but I think it would be awesome to, to let them know where you heard about them from. But the SA2A is the first one I've got from them. I've got a, a Blue Stripe 1176. This should be here at some point. A uh, SSL bus compressor clone. I, I forget the model names for all of them, but it's essentially like a, an SSL bus compressor. Cool. They're making like a U87, U67, U47, U47 FET. They're making 1073 preamps. They're making Pultec EQs now. I mean, there's just a ton of like really, really nice wow. gear that they seem to be focused on really, really trying to nail the original tone and, uh, you know, vibe of the pieces. Because, I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of companies out there now that'll put something out that you know it's supposed to be mm -hmm. an 1176 or it's supposed to be an LA-2A. Mm -hmm. And it, it looks like one. But it doesn't really sound anything like one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you're if you're kind of in that market and you, you want to check out some really well made stuff, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. When it finally got my attention is when I saw Greg Wells um, commented about the the SA two A on Gear Sluts. I think it was. I was like, okay, Greg Wells is given his vote of approval here. I, I need yeah. to check these guys out. So, That's but it sounds incredible. And the reason I brought it up is I'm going to do a, a review a video on YouTube with a review, and I'll probably even take the time to compare it to some of the other plug-in mm. uh, LA-2A offerings yep. and just show the difference there. So, That's yeah, cool. be on the lookout for that. The one that I'm really, really interested in doing, I'm, I'm going to maybe even do first, is a analog summing video. I've had several different analog summing mixers through the studio over the years and I've got certain songs where I've bounced through these different ones and I've bounced them through VCC and waves in LS and 
some of the even the Nebula um, Alex B consoles and stuff. So I'm going to try to do a pretty comprehensive comparison of that to let people hear the difference and, and see what they think as far as the in the box console emulation versus some of the summy mixers. So that's cool. Man. That's one I'm personally probably most excited about. Excellent. Dude, what has been the last plugin that you bought? Ah, uh, man, the last plugin that I bought. Cause um, we love plugins here at the new producers, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do for sure. The last plugin I, that comes to mind is the uh, Overloud Dopamine, I think it is. Okay, what is that? And Yeah, it's basically like an Exciter plugin, like um, the Dolby Type A trick, you know, where it used to be like high-end uh-huh. enhancement. Um, my understanding of it, they used to do the trick with the Dolby uh, noise reduction on the uh, tape machines or whatever that you could get this high-end Exciter particularly like on a vocal or acoustic guitar or something like that. Huh. And then the, later there were there were companies like Aphex and um, uh, some of the other ones that, that made them, you know, an actual kind of standalone unit that wasn't involved with a tape machine. But mm-hmm. it, that was kind of doing a little bit different approach, but still, you know, same thing, just a exciter. That's but yeah, awesome, it's cool. Man. I mean, some yeah, sometimes you can add um, top-end to a vocal or whatever and and you can do it many different ways you know if you do it with a Pultec or you do it with an SSO or a Neve they're all going to sound different but sometimes there's this weird kind of magic uh, different exciter thing that you can do that'll just give you a a different feel and I got to thank our buddy Lee Hester for turning me on to that one so that's cool um, yeah, Lee, if you're listening, you can think back to uh, around Black Friday. We were we were not good for each other. We <laughs> we kept texting each other, dude. Look at this. Look at this sale. Look at this. And I mean, we probably up we upsold. You know, how, like when you're checking out at an online store and they upsell you, they're like, "But wait, for five more dollars, you can add this." You're like, "Oh yeah, I'd like that too." Yeah. And then you end up spending like. 50 more bucks. Well, we were totally doing that to each other, just like texting each other. <laughs> and it'd be like a play. Oh, I never, I never even heard of that. That looks awesome. I, I should buy that because it's black Friday. So <laughs> dude, a guy should almost like pool all his money and just wait till black Friday because deals that you can get, dude are ridiculous. I almost don't even want to buy plugins yeah. any other day, but like the massive sale dates, you know? I'm trying more and more to wait and do that. And and this year I did, man. I just went nuts on that one day. Yeah. So yeah, if you can hold off, just like, just demo a bunch of stuff. Just keep demoing different plugins throughout the year. Yeah, and then totally. When it when it gets to Black Friday, just buy whatever you've wanted the whole time. So yeah, yeah. totally, man. Hey, I wanted to throw on uh, on the podcast real quick too. If anybody listening has um has wanted to try out the Softube Console 1 or has tried it out, go ahead. I made a video just last week. I actually ended up returning mine. And if you go check out that video, it just kind of talks about the the issues I was kind of running into with my workflow with Pro Tools and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I won't say too much about it, but go check it out. It's a really great piece of hardware for some guys. For me, it just didn't really work for me amazing but uh yeah i just wanted to throw that out there 
Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to do one soon um, on the Antelope Orion 32HD. That's my interface now. Okay. And uh, I've run into a really interesting issue there when you're incorporating their built-in FGPA effects and even with outboard a little bit. Yep. And the delay compensation when you're using Pro Tools HD. So anybody that's looked into that or that maybe has that one, be on the lookout too. And uh, the thing is, with the the thing that you did with SoftTube and and what I'm going to do with this analog piece, we're going to try to always give like the most honest opinion, good, bad, ugly. And you know, it's certainly not meant to to hurt anybody or whatever. But man, sometimes you just go looking at reviews and everything's like rainbows and unicorn farts, you know, and nobody's <laughs> um, no, like nobody's, nobody's being honest about it ever. Right, yeah. right. So we're we're really going to try to to be honest, you know, pros and cons. This is why it works for me. You might not like it, or this is why it doesn't work for me, but it might work for you because you're on uh, Studio One or Logic or something different. So yeah, yeah. We we really want to with this content add a lot of value. That we know there's plenty of other voices out there, and you know we're we're happy for anybody that's contributing to our industry. But we really do want to try to add some value in areas that maybe aren't being filled. And so if there's any video that that you want to see, anybody that's listening, if there's a specific issue or an area that you want to improve, we would much rather be able to directly address, you know, the needs that we as a community are having as opposed to just a shotgun approach of putting out a bunch of stuff that's already out there. So, Yeah. yeah, let us know. Reach out to us. And... Anything else, man? I mean, I, I know uh, we had to knock a little rust off to get back in the game here, but <laughs> I think this is a, a really valuable episode for for people and definitely appreciate you sharing all your Nashville stuff. Yeah, man. No, I think I think that's all for now and just excited to, you know, get back into the podcasting and, you know, I think we're going to be making a bunch of really great videos coming up here and we're going to, you know, cover a lot of stuff where just you know, issues we've run into. So I actually looking back at some of the videos we've uploaded, I think we're actually, we address a lot of issues that we run into. And anytime we come up against an issue, we do our best to try to document it, make a YouTube video, put it up there, help anybody else. Yeah, for sure, man. Episode 17 is in the book. So thanks for joining us again. Uh, I'm Josh with Steven, my bestest bro. (laughs) that's uh doing awesome things that we're all so happy and and proud of so anyway man keep it up keep uh learning more tricks of the the trade from nashville and reporting back to us and we'll talk again soon so everybody go out there and do your best work go to youtube look up the new producers give us a subscribe there you can reach us info at the new producers.com and the new producers.com is the website for all the back content if you want to get caught up But thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you.